You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So let's begin with the fact that I am always a fairly optimistic person. But in addition, remember, I am a historian. And as I said before, we are in a much better place today than we were many decades ago, certainly 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Maybe we're not better than we were three years ago or five years ago, but three or five years is really a brief moment in history. That is economist Claudia Golden. And if she can find hope in our challenging times, that's a good sign for the rest of us. Dr. Golden is professor of economics at Harvard, an expert on women in the economy, and an author most recently, of Career and Family, Women's Century-Long Journey Towards Equity. I'm Alain Ververe, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Claudia Golden has won numerous awards for her work in economics and is a prolific author. One of her many books, is Understanding the Gender Gap, an Economic History of American Women. In 1990, she made history as the first woman given tenure in Harvard's economics department. Listen and learn why Claudia Golden is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. I'm speaking today with Claudia Golden one of the most influential female economists who's pioneered the study of women in the economy. Welcome so much, Professor Golden. Well, thank you. And please call me Claudia. I will do that. The title of your latest book says it all, it seems. Career and Family, Women's Century-Long Journey to Equity. 
So my first question is, how do you define equity for women? And how far are we away from that? So let me just add a slight complication that will make this clearer. We really have to distinguish between equity and equality. So equity means fairness. It's a process. And equality is an outcome. If two people have the same skills and ability, their outcomes should be the same. They should be equal. But relationships should be equitable, not necessarily the same. And in the book, I note that couple equity for different sex couples and gender equality are the two sides of the same precise issue. If there isn't couple equity, there won't be gender equality. And let me give you the simplest example. If a couple has children, at least one parent must be, let's call it on call at home, even if they have a demanding full-time job. But both parents can't take that super demanding and very high-paying position. If they want couple equity, both would have to take the more flexible and less remunerative job. And that could cost them a lot. So a lot of them jettison couple equity. They give it up. And at the same time, they throw gender equality under the bus with it. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you about equal pay for equal work, as I know you're an authority on that topic. How long will it take to close the pay gap? Well, it's not necessarily the case that there is unequal pay for equal work. And that's the point I'm making, that in fact, there are equal people who receive different pay, in part because they are faced with this difficult problem that couples have, and they jettison couple equity, and at the same time, thus increase gender inequality. So if I uh, were working at the very same job uh, a gentleman was working at, we had the same background, skill set, etc., but I got paid less than he did. How does that factor into the couple metaphor? That is a condition in which we can go to the EEOC and file a complaint. Mm-hmm. That is against the law. Unless the company came up with some convoluted reason for why there is different pay for what is apparently the same precise job in the same precise establishment. Thank you for all of that. So let's talk a little bit about the pandemic, because we know that it's had a disproportionate impact on women. Can you help us understand how it affected that journey that you just talked about towards equity in a positive way and a negative way, if that's possible? Yeah, so let's start with the good news. And so the good news, what I would call the silver lining on the extremely dark pandemic clouds. The good news is that the pandemic may have enhanced couple equity by reducing the greediness of jobs. Think about it this way. If you don't have to fly to Tokyo to sign the contract, if you don't have to go to Zurich to uh, take part in the M&A, then the price of couple equity will go down and gender equality will be greater. It will be more accessible. So we don't usually think of a silver lining with respect to COVID, though. Well, we think of a lot of silver linings. For example, 
Uh, we are engaging in a conversation where we're not together. It would be nice if we were together, but we're not together. And that means that both of us don't have to travel. And if we had small children, it would mean that we could do that and have dinner with them as well. So that really is a silver lining. And uh, there are many aspects of our lives that have been uh, bad. People have died. People have been sick. But there are many other aspects that have meant that we have reached a new coordinated equilibrium, something that's better. The way in which I teach, the way in which I run my seminars has actually improved because of the pandemic. Well, how do we factor in the so-called she session in terms of the negative impact it's had on women's employment? So the largest differences during this pandemic recession are between high-educated people and low-educated people, not between men and women. There were many statements that were made in the press from April of 2020 for about a year that we now see aren't entirely correct. They were expressions of frustration and angst and stress that women disproportionately felt. Did they leave the workforce in droves? They did not. And was that largely because they couldn't afford to or because their jobs remained essential? I think that it's a combination of all the above. Uh, <laughs> people didn't leave their jobs for lots of reasons. Number one, because some of them needed the income. Number two, they were essential to someone. And number three, because they didn't want to leave their jobs. Uh, in fact, the group that left at the highest levels are the less educated, but that's true for men and for women. The reason that it was called, quote, a she session was to distinguish it from previous recessions, such as that in 2008, in which the sectors that were hit the most were the ones in the most cyclically sensitive industries. And those are the ones that hired disproportionately a male labor force, whereas this one was in was across the board, but it was also in sectors that had previously been highly protected because they were in services. So it's a relative she session. Absolutely, though, by and large, women and men both lost out a tremendous amount, and the lower educated and black in particular lost out the most. You explained that very, very clearly. Thank you. So in Career and Family, your book, uh, you use the stories of women to illustrate your points, which I think makes it eminently readable. Uh, one of them is a woman who actually achieved multiple firsts, uh, Sadie Moselle Alexander. Can you tell us about her story and what it teaches us? Certainly. So Sadie Alexander, uh, as you said, she achieved a lot of firsts. She was the first Black woman to earn a PhD in economics, period. She then uh, turned to law and got a law degree when she couldn't find a reasonable teaching job, in part because of her sex and in part because of her race. 
She then became the first black woman to get a law degree from the University of Pennsylvania. She became the first black woman to be admitted to the Pennsylvania bar. And she and her husband successfully practiced law together. They raised two children. Just this year, in an extraordinary move, the American Economic Association awarded Sadie the first posthumous Distinguished Fellow Award in recognition of a voice in economics that was not heard but should have been. So she's a reminder to us of how much talent we waste and have wasted, but how resilient some extraordinary people are. And that's so true in so many different ways with so many. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. In a separate context, you also talk about Mary Tyler Moore's character, Mary Richards. Now, how does she come into the picture? Well, she comes into the picture because I love the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good reason. But in addition... She appears in the book in a section on a group. So the the book has five groups of women, and it's group four. It's women who were born from about 1944 to just before 1960. I'm in that group. They were the first large group of women 
in the U.S. to set their sights on career and family, career first and then family. And I chose the show uh, because of a hilarious skit in it on the pill. (laughs) So picture this. It's 1972. Mary's parents are visiting her in Minneapolis, where she is living by herself. She is around 28 years old, by the way. And her mother leaves the house to go outside and shouts back to Mary and her father, don't forget to take your pill. Of course, it was meant for the father. And Mary and her father answer in unison, yes, (laughs) 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 with tremendous embarrassment. So Mary was in the vanguard of Group 4. She's a little too old to be in Group 4, and certainly uh, Mary Tyler Moore, Moore would have been a bit too old. But she is in the book because she was single, she was determined to succeed, and she was happily delaying marriage and children for something else. Fascinating. Now, let's stay with the book a moment more, uh, because you drew on your own groundbreaking research for the book. What did you find that surprised you or surprised others? So I'll put it this way. I am surprised at just about everything I do, because had (laughs) I known something, I wouldn't be looking for it. (laughs) So so if I'm I, I, I think of myself as a detective, I'm the economist as detective. So therefore, I'm surprised and elated at just about everything I find. But what surprises many people when they read my work is just how much progress there has been. And do you want to talk about that progress a little bit more? It's interesting. I saw an interview this morning concerning, you know, would you... Uh, as a woman, go back in time to some previous period? And the answer was, (laughs) not for five minutes. (laughs) So, so, you know, we know that there are various moments, and many people would say that we're in such a moment in which history seems to go backwards a little bit, but it really doesn't go backwards that much. Uh, we are surrounded by progress. The, uh, the antibiotic that you may have taken is enormous progress. Even, even the Tylenol that you take is enormous progress. Uh, our cell phones, uh, the technologies that we use, our standards of living. So uh, we, we see around us and we're often focused on aspects of our lives uh, that we would like to change. But by and large, as this person said, I wouldn't go back for five minutes. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go back uh, in another way. uh, And that's with respect to yourself. You're an acclaimed professor of economics at Harvard. How did you get into this field? What was your growing up like? Uh, When did you know that this is what you wanted to do? So I, first of all, I grew up in the Bronx and, um, I grew up in an area that I wanted to escape from, from from the time I was little. But I went to college thinking that I would be a bacteriologist. I had gone to the Bronx High School of Science, which was mm-hmm. a phenomenally good place. Uh, and I believed that the only real subjects were those in science and that being a scientist was the pinnacle of success. I thought of doctors as plumbers, by the way. <laughs> so 
I was going to be a scientist. I wanted, as I said, to be a detective and find something, the causes of disease. And mm-hmm. when I got to Cornell, and I had actually done bacteriology at Cornell in a summer program that the NSF ran, when I got to Cornell as an, a freshman, I realized how little I actually knew <laughs> and and how I knew that these were very important years of my life and that if I continued my work in bacteriology, I would lose out. I wouldn't know a lot. And I took a course from a faculty member named Alfred Kahn, otherwise known as Fred Kahn. Mm-hmm. And uh, he became very famous for deregulating the airlines. Prior to this deregulation, airline prices were phenomenally high and there wasn't a lot of competition. And he was an economist who was passionate about his field. And he made me passionate about it. And I switched to economics and I traded my microscope for doing detective work in dusty archives using old volumes and mountains of data. And Cornell as well, and anyone who's been there would understand this, also showed me that the life of a professor was what I wanted. It was slow and methodical. Uh, but it was also not the Bronx. It all came together very nicely, and this masterful detective that you've become. Were there any obstacles that you confronted because you're a woman in the field of economics and there haven't been that many women in the field, although it's growing, one can happily say? Yes, it's, it is certainly growing, and there are a number of extraordinary uh, women, uh, uh, female economists who are um, in the administration and have been in various administrations recently. So I'll be blunt. The biggest obstacles that I have ever faced and that I continue to face concern the limitations of my knowledge and my abilities. You know, those are the biggest obstacles. But of course there were others, of course. And one interesting one is that co-authorship is far more important in economics now. Uh, It's grown over time. But it was the case that it was impossible for me to co-author with another woman until around the late 1990s or so. There were just too few of them. Right now, my best friend, uh, my best female friend, is my co-author on many different projects and many different papers. I've also co-authored with my current husband. Interesting, the co-authorship. I hadn't thought about that. And why is it important to have a, a woman's point of view in economics? So economics has a lot of subfields. So economics, we think of as a subject like English or history. Economics has major subfields, just like these other fields do. So there's, I'll list a couple of them, econometrics and trade and macro and labor, health, history, economic history, which is what I do, education, theory, all different subfields. But it turns out that men and women tend to go into different subfields. So women tend to go more into labor and health and education and less into macro and econometrics and theory. So 
Therefore, it's critical that there be more women for there to be a balance. Mm -hmm. And in addition, as we know in, in many different fields, there are different life experiences that women will bring to the field of economics or they'll bring to any other field in the academy and scholarship and business. So we always run out of time and we're at that moment again. Uh, but I do want to ask you, given all that's going on in the world right now, a lot of it, not uh, the easiest topics to confront, what makes you optimistic? What what gives you hope? Well, first of all, I, I believe that I am an optimist. There are people who are optimists and people who are the opposite. Uh, and so let's begin with the fact that I am always a fairly optimistic person. But in addition, remember, I am a historian. And as I said before, we are in a much better place today than we were many decades ago, certainly 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Maybe we're not better than we were three years ago or five years ago, but three or five years is really a brief moment uh, in history. Certainly is. Well, it's been very illuminating, interesting to speak with you. It's been a learning experience. Claudia Golden, please get her book, Career and Family, Women's Century-Long Journey to Equity. Thank you so much for being with us today. I've enjoyed this. Thanks. That was an education and one filled with hope. Here are three things I took from that conversation. First, Claudia points out some silver linings in the dark clouds of the pandemic. Because the pandemic made companies cut back on time demands, like business travel, it has led to more gender equality, she says, in some marriages. Second, Claudia told us about a remarkable woman few people have heard of, Sadie Mosell Alexander. Born in 1898, she was the first Black woman to earn a Ph.D. in economics and the first Black woman admitted to the Pennsylvania Bar. She also faced many roadblocks in her career. As Claudia says, Sadie Mosell Alexander is a reminder of how much talent we waste and have wasted, but how resilient some extraordinary people are. Finally, Let's take Claudia Golden's long lens perspective. Despite all the turmoil of current events, we have made progress. And Claudia says that if she were offered the opportunity to live as a woman in a past age, she'd say no, not even for five minutes. Tune in next week to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.